0: Hi, my name is Monique and you are listening to the Chronic Illness Unfiltered podcast. Here at Chronic Illness Unfiltered, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. The Chronic Illness Unfiltered podcast is recorded on Wadandi Country. On this podcast, we will be discussing the highs, lows, and all that comes with being diagnosed and living with a chronic illness. Come along as we share the personal stories of others who live with chronic illnesses and what they've learned along the way. Please note this podcast is intended for sharing personal stories, discussing relevant topics, and is not promoting any personal medical advice. Welcome back, everybody. I'm so excited to be bringing another episode to you. We've upgraded the audio now, so I'm hoping that that's going to make a really big difference for you guys listening. Um, It's been a couple of weeks since I have uploaded an episode. That was not intentional. It's just been a little bit busy at the moment. Life just gets busy. There's Christmases around the corner. Also been struggling a little bit with pain and symptoms um, which I'll touch a little bit more on at the end but today I wanted to hop on and explain or go into depth a little bit more about endometriosis. It's something that I have mentioned quite a bit in my two previous episodes. Um, It's something that I'm going to continue to talk about. I will never stop talking about it. I'm very passionate about it And I just wanted to kind of jump on and explain a little bit more about what it is and just go a little bit more in depth regarding endometriosis. So first of all, I suppose, is what is endometriosis? I definitely knew, you know, a couple of years ago, or going back a couple of years, I definitely had heard the word endometriosis, but I wasn't entirely aware i wasn't entirely educated about it um i was more familiar with pcos that was the one that i used to hear a lot more than endometriosis but although i knew of endometriosis as i said i wasn't educated and i didn't have a uh, uh, the understanding that i have now so endometriosis is a condition where cells similar to the lining of the uterus grow outside of the uterus so they're not the same as the lining the lining of the uterus is the endometrium they're not the same as the endometrium but similar and they grow outside of the uterus so endometriosis has been found on every major organ of the body that includes the brain the heart the lungs the diaphragm bowels, bladder, ovaries, fallopian tubes, um, appendix. I think it's also been found on the spleen, liver. Um, Yeah, it's been found on every major organ. There are four stages of endometriosis. However, it's very important to know that your stage of endometriosis does not correlate with your pain. So you could be stage one and have very, very severe pain, or you could be stage four. And for some people with um, stage four endometriosis um, that I've spoken to and connected with um, over the last 12 months of my journey have, you know, a lot of them didn't even realize that they had endometriosis until it was um maybe they uh, had some infertility things going on and it wasn't until they had you know, gone down the road of having a diagnostic laparoscopy that endometriosis was found and they were diagnosed that way. So yeah, your stage definitely does not correlate with your symptoms. When I had my first surgery, I was told that my endometriosis was a stage one. However, after my second surgery, um, my endometriosis is stage two. So how common is endometriosis? Um, at the moment for Australia, the stats say that endometriosis affects around one in nine to one in ten Australian people assigned female at birth. Um, given the length of delay, the sorry, given the delay in the length of time it takes to receive a diagnosis, it's very likely that that Percentage is possibly quite a bit higher. Um, but at the moment, the current or the estimate or the most common kind of time it takes for someone to receive a diagnosis of endometriosis is around seven to ten years. So and, um, you know, again, I've connected with a lot of people over the last 12 months, some people that have gone longer than 10 years before receiving a diagnosis, despite going to medical professionals and their doctors numerous times with symptoms and concerns and and things like that, but still had waited years and years and years before receiving that diagnosis. So. I mean, for myself personally, on my journey, if I think back to when I started to have symptoms now, that was 10 years ago. From the day that I was told, I suspect that you have endometriosis to the day that I was diagnosed was around three to four months. So I'm very lucky in that sense that once once the word endometriosis was mentioned to me and that was a possibility to the day that I went in for surgery and had that diagnosis confirmed was a you know quite a short amount of time in the scheme of things but again when i look back to how long i was suffering with the symptoms it was um 10 years so which is just ridiculous to me um yeah so going on to symptoms of endometriosis now endometriosis is not just a bad period and Something that I have learned again through connecting with other people is that some people with endometriosis don't experience bad period pain or heavy periods. Their periods might be light or what, you know, I don't, I mean, who knows what is normal? What is a normal period? A normal period should not be, you should not be in pain to the point that you cannot participate in your regular activities. And so symptoms of endometriosis, um, and this is a post that I am referencing from at underscore, sorry, at the underscore beginning underscore of underscore the underscore endo on Instagram. Um, who's done a really great, post about endometriosis symptoms so the symptoms include extreme pain on and off your period ovulation pain pain induced vomiting pain after or during sex bleeding after sex pain during internal examination shooting pains up the bum or vagina painful bloating aka endo belly infertility or difficulty with falling pregnant, nausea and fainting during periods, irregular periods, heavy periods, fatigue, brain fog, back pain. In terms of the bowels, it could include pain when opening the bowels, pain before and after opening bowels, pain when passing gas, Blood when opening the bowels, constipation, diarrhea in terms of the bladder, needing to urinate very frequently, pain when urinating, pain when the bladder is full, blood in the urine. And then thoracic can include chest pain before and during period, shoulder pain, shortness of breath, coughing up blood. Now it's very important to note that. Not everybody experiences the same symptoms, and people may experience different symptoms to the ones that I have just mentioned. No person's experience with endometriosis is identical to the next. Um, the way that you experience it is very different from how others do, and I think that's something important to know. I've, um, in my personal life, know a couple of people with endometriosis and. Though we have the same diagnosis, the way that we have experienced it, and our symptoms and our treatments have all looked very different from each other. So it's definitely a, um, yeah, I think it's it's definitely different for every person. Um, in terms of the symptoms that I have experienced from there, my main ones definitely were. Heavy, painful periods, painful ovulation. I pretty much have constant pelvic pain. A lot of the bladder symptoms, as I mentioned, some of the bowel symptoms. I've also started noticing um, chest pain and some of those thoracic symptoms on during my last period as well, which I have had before, but I never really linked it up to my period. So that is definitely something I am keeping an eye on. And in terms of, again, if you've listened to previous episodes, my first surgery that my endometriosis was diagnosed, my endometriosis was found mostly on my bladder, on my um, pouch of Douglas, which is the area between your uterus and your bowels. And it was also found on my utero sacral ligament. My most recent surgery, it was removed from my bladder And it was also found on my pelvic sidewall as well. It was quite hidden in there. So in terms of treatment, treatment, again, will vary person to person, depending on your circumstance, depending on where you live, what country you live in, your access to medical treatment. All of those things very much play a part. The gold standard for treating endometriosis is excision surgery. So for endometriosis, the surgery that is commonly should be performed is a laparoscopy. Now, if we're talking how is endometriosis diagnosed, there are cases where it has been picked up in an MRI ultrasound Um, for me. It was suspected on an ultrasound because my ovaries were immobile. However, when I went in for my surgery, it was not on my ovaries. As I mentioned just before, it was on my pouch of Douglas, bladder, pelvic sidewall, and my uterosacral sacral ligaments. But none of that showed up on the ultrasound. So I'm very lucky in a way that even though the ultrasound was not accurate i suppose i was lucky in the sense that it was it raised kind of the alarm with my doctor and i was able to get my diagnosis quite relatively soon after that however again it said that i had it on my ovaries and my ovaries were clear i also have superficial endometriosis which doesn't generally show up on scans um I know that if you have more deep infiltrating endometriosis it can show on scans, but still it's just not an accurate way to diagnose it and it's not an accurate way to kind of get the bigger picture of again, mine was showing that it was just my ovaries are mobile. however, I had it in several different areas of my pelvic region, so again it's not a very accurate way to diagnose it or really get diagnose it or really get the bigger picture. So in terms of treatment, as I said, um, surgery, laparoscopy. Laparoscopy is where they do keyhole surgery. So a few small incisions in the pelvis and through the belly button with a camera as well to have a really good visual look around and be able to visually see the spots in there. The two ways that endometriosis are removed from there is either ablation, which is very, very common, and excision. So ablation is basically, um, I remember when I was first kind of told again that I had suspected endo, the first thing I did pretty much, and I'm going off track a little bit here, but something I really want to mention. Yeah, little bit of an off track, but A couple of months before endometriosis was mentioned to me and I was kind of going down this road, I remember walking around Big W in the book section and this book jumped out to me and I think it was definitely... The cover is very um, bright. It's pink and yellow. And this book is called How to Endo by Bridget Husway. I think. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But anyway, I saw the book and for me at the time it was not wasn't relevant I didn't you know I never in a million years would have thought I had endometriosis little did I know what was going to happen a couple of months later but I just remember that book really jumping out to me on the shelf and so after I'd had that scan and after I'd been told oh, we suspect that you have endo um, one of the first things I did was my husband was going to that shop that I had seen it at one afternoon and I just said, hey, are you there, do you mind having a look to see if you can find this book, which she did. And I think I read the whole thing in a night. And I remember reading the first chapter of this book where she kind of spoke about her experience. And I read it out to my husband and he just said, wow, that sounds exactly like what you have been experiencing. And I think for me it, that was really just... The first time in, what, 24 years that I really felt validated reading that very first chapter. And so from there, I read the rest of the book and I'm so, so glad looking back now and knowing what other people's experiences with this have been like. I'm so glad that I had access to that resource so that I could really learn you know, a lot of really important things about the disease, including these treatment options. So in the book, she was speaking a lot about ablation and excision. And the fact that, you know, we've got our regular gynecologists, OBGYNs, who do perform these surgeries, but it's very common that ablation is used. So ablation is And an analogy, I think, that was mentioned in the book, and I've seen it a lot on social media and things like that, is if you think about a weed and if you used heat or you burnt the weed in the ground, then you would remove the top of the weed. However, the roots would still be in the ground. So then there is excision. Now, again, if you think back to this weed, instead of burning the top of it you excise or you shovel or you dig the entire weed out its entire form so none of it is left behind so if you kind of consider endometriosis to be the weed if we're burning endometriosis then we're leaving the root of the disease behind however if we're using excision to remove endometriosis we're removing it in its entirety so excision surgery excision is the gold standard for treating endometriosis it is not as widely accessible as it should be I know for my experience I am very um, grateful and lucky I have private health insurance and I was able to access a excision surgeon and go down that road but that was not my first surgery experience um so when I had my appointment before I had my appointment with my um first surgeon that I'd seen last year I remember asking the receptionist on the phone because I'd read it in the book um is she an endometriosis specialist and I just remember looking her up and trying to find information and really try to find out but it was the the it was very limited. And she just said to me on the phone "Oh, she's, you know, very, very, um, what did she say? She's very knowledgeable. She's very knowledgeable. She's great. And so I just remember thinking, okay, well, we just, we just need to do it. We need answers. Like, I think for me, it was also like, I, I wanted answers. I was desperate. I was in pain. I just need I need to know what to do. This is what I'm told I need to do. This is the road that I'm going down. I'm also not really sure, you know, what other options there are. I do live in a regional town as well. Um, My, the capital city of where I live or the city closest to me is two hours away. So my first surgery, I... while I was waiting, or like while I was waiting to go back for the surgery, the surgeon had come and she just said, oh, is there any other questions that you have before we go back? And my husband had turned to her and said, um, how are you removing it? Because that's a discussion I'd had with my husband prior. I was like, oh, I'm just really nervous. I don't really know what's going to happen. And she had said to me, I'm going to use a mixture of ablation and excision. And I think in my deep down, I just thought, shit, <laughs> okay, all right, um, okay, yep, uh, okay. I immediately just thought, it's fine, it's fine, you just need to do it, we need these answers, There's a there is hope that this is going to give you relief, and if it does, it's fine, if it doesn't. It's okay, at least we've got a diagnosis, at least we know what's going on, and we can outsource from there, we can go from here. So I went in, had the surgery 45 minutes, came back out in recovery. Um the surgeon had said to me, if you're, you know, up and alert in recovery, then I'll and I and I can, I will come and see you and let you know how everything went. So Luckily, I, well, I eventually was alert and she did come over and see me and she did say, you know, yeah, I found endometriosis. And I will say in that moment she was very I, – I, my whole surgery experience and my whole experience leading up to my surgery, I could not fault the care that I received. And she just said, you know, I'm so glad that – I was able to give you an answer to your pain and an answer to what's been going on. And it was, I think it was the following day when I ended up staying in overnight. She had come over to see me. She'd shown me the photos and... I think it was then that I kind of asked and she said that ablation was used to remove it from my bladder, except for the spot that was left. And it was excised from the other areas. And I just kind of thought, oh, okay. And I, I'm not gonna lie, as much as I felt relieved that I finally had an answer, I also felt very let down at the fact that I still had it, inside of me and it wasn't removed properly and it was i was still left with some and i just it was just really frustrating so the other thing with excision and ablation is when it's burnt and cauterized and things like that it can't be sent off for pathological testing so when it's excised and removed as a whole they're able to send it off um, have it tested and have endometriosis that diagnosis confirmed so I am lucky in the sense that the areas that were excised were sent off um, for testing and a couple of days or about a week after my surgery I received a text message which I've still got on my phone i i haven't ever deleted it and it just said dear monique i hope you have been well after your laparoscopy i just wanted to let you know that i have reviewed the report of the cells removed at the time of your operation and endometriosis is confirmed it was lovely to meet you take care so yeah, after that, another thing I've mentioned in a previous episode as well is that the pill was offered to me. I've also had the marina offered to me. Um, I did take the pill for a couple of months, but it really just didn't work for me. But I know for a lot of other people that those treatments have been very helpful. Um, another thing that I have learnt is that those those hormonal treatments don't necessarily cure, they don't cure endometriosis, but they do and can, or they don't do, they can help um, with the symptoms. For me, that was not the case. Um, And it's something that I don't want to, I stopped taking the pill and it's not something that I, at this stage of my life, am looking to kind of experiment with again. And I'm really trying to stay away from the hormones as much as possible. But that's just my personal preference. And I know, as I said, that for other people, that can be extremely um, helpful. So back to the surgery side of things. Um, Again, as I mentioned before, I am very lucky in that I did have access to be able to have both of my surgeries done privately and that is not something that is accessible to many, many, many people in Australia, the country that I live, in, and no doubt many other countries in the world. So my understanding is that it is very um, common, especially in Australia, we have the public healthcare care system, um, and it is very common that... Patients that go through the public system for things like endometriosis surgeries, ablation is used. My very first surgery that I had about 10 years ago now, I had cysts on my ovaries that were removed and it was, they were done by using ablation. And so, you know, if we're looking at the quality of care that's accessible, you know, to the majority of the people in this country, the majority of this pe- the people in this country who are waiting 7 to 10 years to get a diagnosis and then are mostly going through the public system to have it removed and treated after waiting their 7 to 10 years, sometimes longer, sometimes less, they're then having m- most of the time, possibly not always, but most of the time having ablation used to remove it, which is not you know then in a lot of cases these people are experiencing their symptoms within six months of their surgeries reoccurring again or they're not getting the full kind of positive effect from these surgeries that they could be if excision was used so i know um Yeah, there's a lot of things going on in Australia at the moment in terms of healthcare. There's a lot of things happening at the moment in our country, in my state, especially in regards to nurses and midwives. They deserve ratios. They deserve pay rises. Um, The conditions are, you know, especially with COVID and, and all of that that's gone on, they deserve so much more than they're getting. But anyway, yes, so for me then I... After that surgery, I did my own research and tried to find an excision specialist in my state. Again, for many countries, you know, excision specialists for endometriosis are so few and far between that some people have had to travel out of their countries. I know people from Australia have even traveled to other countries to receive treatment, um, just because it's not as accessible as it should be. And I don't think that a lot of what I am seeing at the moment is a lot of the funding that's being put into endometriosis is not being put into excision surgery, which is the gold standard for endometriosis. So, yeah, I anyway had my excision surgery a couple of months now, a month ago now, and I was very lucky that I was able to do that. Um, I believe, I can't remember off the top of my head, I think that my surgeon also operates publicly as well. Um, but I had mine done through the private system and yeah, that was a two hour long surgery and excision was, was used. Um, I would say the biggest, difference i have noticed now post-surgery i'm about three just over three months post-op now my biggest improvement has definitely been my energy levels um and the fatigue that i i definitely still have bad days Um, i still get pretty awful ovulation pain I still have pretty painful periods I get cramping for pretty much the week leading up to my period the first two days are pretty horrific in terms of the heaviness and the pain Um, and then I still experience a lot of digestive symptoms and then obviously as I've mentioned quite a lot of times the bladder symptoms as well so yeah but if I could based on my experience and based on the experiences of other people that I have spoken to, I think excision, yeah, excision is the gold standard and I just wish it was more accessible for everybody else because the recurrence rate of it growing back is less, um, the recovery can be a little bit longer for excision given that it's a little bit more invasive, um, but, yeah, they do say that the, the chance of reoccurrence and the rate of reoccurrence is generally left less with excision because the entirety of the endometriosis has been removed. Whereas with ablation, again, as they're just burning at the roots are being left, generally it can grow back a lot quicker. Um, some people may, I, I mean, again, I've spoken to people who have had ablation surgery done, had one and been That you know, noticed a big difference in their symptoms and and gone on with their life. And that's kind of been that. I know for myself and many other people, that's not necessarily the case. And it's often involved multiple surgeries and not a lot of relief and quick recurrence Um, with excision. I would say that my recovery from my excision surgery was a lot better than my first surgery. Still with both of them, I'd say it probably took me a good three months both times to feel, quote-unquote, recovered from the surgery. Um, Obviously, once I kind of got over that initial first couple of weeks, I still have symptoms. I still have pain. So that's also something that I take into account. Um, But, yeah, the... I know for people that have had excision surgery done again they've possibly had one done and then you know for whatever reason gone in for another surgery again you know maybe a year or two later and there has been no reoccurrence of the endometriosis which is amazing and that's what we want you know again that's not the case for everybody it's very common that um You know, it is very common. I think it's very common where I live. It's very common in conversations that I've had with people in my area, with people in my state, with people around me that whether it was ablation or excision, a lot of people I know have had to go in for multiple surgeries. For myself personally, I think now that I've gone through all of that in the last 12 months, I know what to expect a little bit more moving forward. And I know for me that mentally, I've kind of prepared myself for the fact that, you know, this surgery has not cured me. The surgery, although it's the, the excision is the gold standard for removing endometriosis, it was not a cure for endometriosis. And I know that the possibility of it growing back at some point, whether it's in the next 12 months or the next five years or the next 12 years, or if it doesn't at all, that's great. But I know for me that... Reoccurring surgeries is a possibility and that's just something that I personally don't like to brush under the rug for myself because I like to prepare myself mentally for what's to come. And I think I would say that that made a very big difference for me from my first surgery to my second surgery. My first surgery I went in so hopeful and so positive and so – well, not – I mean, I say positive, I was – in agony. So I probably on the outside didn't look positive, but I think I just felt this sense of like, this is it. This is, it's going to help me. I'm going to have relief. I'm going to have my life back. I'm going to have less symptoms. And then when that wasn't the case for me, I kind of felt like a little bit of a failure. I felt like I had let myself down. I felt like I'd let the people around me down because this was supposed to fix me. This was supposed to help me and it hasn't. And all of these people were hoping that it was gonna help me and all of these people were hoping that it was gonna fix me and it hasn't. And I'm supposed to be getting better and I don't feel like I am. And so going into my second surgery, you know, I, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, I hope that this is it. I hope that this fixes you. And I hope that this cures you. And I think this time around, although I wasn't trying to come across negative, you know, I had conversations with people where I just said, you know, I don't want to sound negative, but I'm not getting my hopes up because I know what that felt like last time. And I know now what the reality of this looks like for me. And I'm not going into this hoping that I'm going to get cured. I'm not going into this hope, you know, I, I am going into this hoping that I'm going to get relief, but I'm not going to set high expectations because I don't want to let myself down. And for me, the number one win, the number one win for me going through my excision surgery three months ago was if they can just remove everything that they can find I know that there's microscopic lesions I know that there can be bits left behind and bits that are not visible yet again microscopic things like that but I just first and foremost wanted that endometriosis removed off of my bladder because the absolute whirlwind that I went through trying to get to that point was just ridiculous that first of all if they can just remove that off my bladder and and do it safely that is the win for me that makes it worth it for me if they can remove anything else that they can find why they're in there that is a win for me that was it that's all I wanted and that is what I got out of that surgery and so I think that that mindset for me helped me in my recovery because i wasn't going into my recovery thinking okay maybe in two weeks you're going to feel better maybe in four weeks you're going to feel better i went into my recovery knowing they have removed everything that they could they have done everything that they could hopefully i'm going to experience less symptoms hopefully the severity of my symptoms is going to be less but it's okay if I still experience them. It's not okay. But for me, again, I wasn't – I didn't have my hopes up that that was going to be the case. So, yeah, I don't – you know, that's probably not the thought process that everybody has and it's not the thought process that you have to have, but I just found for me personally that that really helped in my recovery this time around. So – in terms of treatments again we've talked a lot about surgery ablation excision obviously the use of hormones um, pain medication which should be taken as directed by your medical practitioners i also wanted to touch on kind of some other treatments um, and kind of the multidisciplinary approach so that is something that i have definitely tried to take with my endometriosis journey again something that um bridget touches quite a lot on in her book how to endo So multidisciplinary kind of other forms of treatment, I suppose, could look like a pelvic floor physio, acupuncture, diet, um, supplements, things like that. Again, treatments. They're not cures. Yoga isn't going to cure me. Trying this herbal tea isn't going to cure me, but... They may help with my symptoms. So for me personally, I have tried all of the above. I have seen a dietitian um, mainly because of the issues I was having with my bowel, which we now know were endometriosis related. And I do experience mostly digestive symptoms. Uh, just, I think it was just after my first surgery, I had started seeing a pelvic floor physio not only for my pelvic pain i also have now been diagnosed with vaginismus as well um but i have recently started going back to my pelvic floor physio following my most recent surgery just to kind of see if she can help with the bladder and bowel issues as well um, i have done acupuncture i have also seen a naturopath and tried different supplements and things like that from the naturopath as well i wouldn't say that you know i didn't notice a huge difference um but i did notice a little bit of a difference in some of the things that i was trying and again for me and i think this is probably like a subconscious Um, response to medical trauma and gaslighting and manipulation. I don't know. That's probably the wrong thing. Mainly gaslighting, medical gaslighting. I think my response to that is thinking I just have to try everything so that I know for myself that I've tried it because I know that, you know, if I not for the doctors that I have now, my doctors that I have now are great, but in the past, you know, it's, have you tried this? You need to do this. You need to do more of this. You need to do more of that. So for me, I think my automatic response now is just do it all, try it all, you know, and it's great. And some of it is great. For some people, the relief that they get from these things is absolutely incredible. So, You know, for me, I really wanted to have that multidisciplinary approach. Um, And it's been very important for me to ensure that I have a team of medical professionals that work collaboratively to ensure that I can get the best out of all of them. Um, So I do. Yeah, as I said, I'm seeing my pelvic physio again. Um, in terms of diet I tried the low FODMAP diet I didn't notice very much of a difference with that Um, for me it's mainly just ensuring that I'm keeping my fiber up also given that I'm celiac um, just to try and help keep my bowels regular given the symptoms that I get and as I said supplements and things like that from my naturopath which also were really helping my digestive symptoms too so yeah, it's something that I kind of go in and out of or phases I suppose. Another thing too is that these things that I'm saying these um alternative treatments again not accessible for very for for a lot of people whether it's financially, whether it's logistically. Again, it's like and it kind of frustrates me when I see these big endo organizations and they're you know have you tried acupuncture well i have personally yes but i understand that that is not accessible or financially an option for many many people and so yes it's great that that is helpful for people but how are we making this more accessible just a question so yeah i suppose um For me now, I'm actually going back to my surgeon tomorrow because of the bladder issues that I am having. I am not really, I don't know, I don't really know what to expect out of it. I'll keep you posted. I am not, again, I don't try to get my hopes up before things like this. I think I just try to guard my heart and guard my emotions a little bit because I'm afraid of disappointment, as I've experienced and mentioned that I've experienced in the past. So, But my surgeon is great. He is fantastic. I feel very lucky that I have found him. I feel like I am in very capable hands. I say to everybody that I know that I will never let anybody else touch me again in regards to my endometriosis, except for him. And I hope that he never retires, but I know he will one day. Um, of course it was, unless it was an emergency because my surgeon is, um, an hour away from me, but yeah, I feel very at ease and confident in him and his decisions. Um, and you know, he's very collaborative in the approach that he takes with me and letting, you know, informed consent, informing me of the, the options that I have and empowering me to make the decisions that I feel are going to be best for me in my body, which again, that should be the case for everybody. And I know that it's not, and that's very frustrating that it's not. Um, So yeah, I suppose we'll see what happens. We'll see what comes of it. And yeah, I hope that this was helpful for you. If you are in your journey of being diagnosed with endometriosis or having endometriosis going down that journey i hope that maybe you've learned something new from this and yeah i just hope that this has been able to help you in your journey in some way so i am going to link the book that i was touching on before how to endo it's a really great Book. I know that it's available in Australia I don't know that it's available in other countries um but I will link it in the show notes anyway and yeah I will I'm not going to promise an episode next week or in the coming weeks I'm not sure how regular episodes are going to be just given that Christmas is coming up um But if you don't hear from me by then, I hope that you have a fabulous Christmas, a very safe, happy, enjoyable Christmas with your loved ones or however you choose to celebrate. And I hope that you are able to have a pain free or very minimal pain um, day or holidays um, for Christmas and yeah, during the holiday season. So I will speak to you all soon. Thank you, bye.